welcome to the final episode of our conference kickoff series here at campus to canton as always i am austin and this is colin we're finally done with these um not that they're bad uh, bad shows bad content but um they don't leave a lot of room for creativity here colin so um you know me i'm very much a creative you know artistic butterfly i really need to flap my wings so these these shows have really just kept me caged so I'm ready to be unleashed again next week. Um, but we're going to wrap things up with the Sun Belt here tonight. Yeah. Um, like you said, not a lot of creativity allowed here. Pretty structured. We go team by team. But I think we do a good job making these fun. They're okay. I mean, it's you and me. Everyone, yeah, everyone likes our dynamic. Um, real quick, guys. We're going to – so, again, like we talked about last episode, we're not doing – the cram sessions here for the last two episodes because there's just so much news a little less than i thought there would be tonight um to be honest over the last couple of days um just not a lot of like groundbreaking earth shattering type stuff uh but we have five stories for you nonetheless um real quick before we hop into that guys uh campus go ahead check everything out over there check out the other podcasts here on the campus to canton podcast feed if you're not doing that already and please i know we put this at the end of the show pretty often so maybe you skip through that or or uh cut it off before that please just give us a five star rate and review um we will find you we will find you if you are not giving us a five star review i'm wow. i'm done i'm done threatening call a uh, collins ability on the show i'm done threatening my availability on the show i'm threatening your availability on the show you <laughs> listeners you people out there literally it just takes 30 seconds guys i don't know why this helps but it really really does on the charts again we're just trying to grow Debbie, c2c cff as a whole we want more visibility and i think the reviews help with that so please go ahead campus to canton feed give us a five-star review um tell us uh anything anything write us a story in the comments tell us we smell bad you can talk um, about any shows on there because it's the whole feed yes. if you like one in particular give them a shout out unless tell it's us, noah hills tell <laughs> tell us your tell us your favorite show on the feed and your least favorite show on the feed unless it's mean then don't do the last part um, <laughs> I cry easily. Um, that's why I have to be mean to call it on the show. It's I'm compensating. Um, everybody knew that. Yes. I, I think by now. So this is episode 96. We're almost at episode hundred. That's almost. pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Um, I don't know if we're going to do anything special for episode hundred. I know Debbie debate hits hundred this coming week, and I don't know if we're planning anything special or not. What do I suspect that there's something happening at my expense? I don't. I'm That's so usually a good guess. I'm so untrusting of the people that I'm on shows with nowadays. You, you guys, you and Matt Bruning and Felix Sharp and Chris Moxley. It's I just don't trust any of you. Like I'm in, in like a shallow sense of like on these shows. I just do not trust you. When have I ever, ever done anything to you? All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> I hope you feel the same way. I've never done anything to you that was mean spirited, Colin. Um, never. Nope. All right. Let's. Uh, we have five news stories here. Let's get these out of the way real quick, and then we're going to talk uh, Sun Belt Fun Belt. I don't know if that's going to be the episode name or not. Um, I had some mm -hmm. other fun options with like bring out the sun, like in, in parentheses Sun Belt, or like you know S Sun Belts out, Gun Belts out. No, we'll, we'll talk. 
We'll okay. talk. Yeah, we're we're brain. We're it's workshopping. A lot, it's a lot harder to workshop these things live than it is it behind is. the scenes. Yeah, it is. Um, all right. So quick news stories here. Let's start with the ones that we think we already knew, Colin, or at least the one that we thought we already knew. Grant Wells uh, officially named the starter uh, quarterback at Virginia Tech. He transferred over from Marshall um, last year, about 3,500 passing yards. Um, uh, only three more touchdowns and interceptions, though. He's had some issues with consistency and with decision-making. Um, so I think we assumed that he was going to get this job. There's not a lot of else there to really compete for it, but I'm wondering, you know, it, can he grow as a player moving to the power five um, with, I think an underrated position group there, you know, Jaden blue has been banged up this off season. I know that, but they still have Caden Smith. They still have Dwayne Lofton. Like this is not nothing that he has to catch passes for him this year. I think Dwayne Lofton is going to be a pretty big beneficiary here on this one. Like, I think their games will mesh well. I like him as a talent. We liked him last year. He's a guy that I have kind of at the end of my bench in, in a couple of different places. Uh, so I, th I think this will be a good thing for him. I think it's a good thing for the offense as a whole. Like you said we kind of assumed this. Uh, I, I think Grant Wells is a good bit better than anybody else that they have there. Was it um, Brown? the grad transfer from South Carolina. Um, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, who he, he was competing with, a tr you know, not anything impressive last year. Um, Grant Wells was pretty impressive at times at Marshall. You know, we'll see how the step up to the ACC is for him. Now, you know, their defenses aren't, um, you know, the SEC defenses or Big Ten defenses, but there's a couple in there that could give him some problems. So, you know, I think we'll see kind of what he's made of this year. I know some people had some potential Debbie hope for him. And I think this will be a year where you can, if it's bad, you can just completely write it off. If it's good, you know, maybe he's a, a guy who gets drafted somewhere on day three. At this point, I, I don't know that I have big Debbie hopes for him. And it's not like he, like he's, he's decent sized. He's six two. He's, he's right around 200 pounds. So he's average size for the position. My problem with it, like, I don't want to call it a pop gun arm, but he definitely doesn't have an amazing arm. And I think he overestimates at times what he can do. Um, in addition to maybe just not making good decisions and that those two things kind of tie together. Um, but I, I am just really interested to see again, what he could do at Virginia tech. I think an eight win Virginia tech season means that he had a very good year just based yeah. on the rest of this roster. I know, we have uh, like Chris K, for instance, is a Virginia Tech fan. He's he's with us here at C2C, so he'll probably listen to the show. He'll probably tell me um, why I'm a jerk uh, tomorrow morning. But I think like an eight win season with Grant Wells at the helm in the ACC that's a that's a pretty darn good year. And I think at that point he he gets drafted regardless because yeah. I don't like I don't know that they're going to be a, a a super effective team running the ball. And, and as a tie-in on this news, Malachi Thomas is a running back that we talked about a lot down the stretch last year. True freshman last season kind of broke out a couple hundred yard games. He has not been at practice over the past uh, couple days. So this this far into camp, you're, you're supposed to starting running back not there. A little concerning. A little concerning, I would say. Um so it's going to be on Wells to kind of right this ship if Thomas is not there because they don't have a lot of depth at running back. Yeah, they really don't. Uh, and I don't know exactly what the strength of this offense is going to be if it's not 
Grant Wells. Um, Brent Pry, head coach, defensive guy. So, you know, I, I think the defense, Brent Pry coming over from Penn State, he's always had a pretty solid defense. Uh, so I think the defense will be pretty solid this year. So I think the offense is going to be like a turning point for this team. And that's going to kind of be this team's record will go as the offense goes. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. And especially because the ACC is such an offensive conference here lately. Um, it was last year. I think it will be this year. It's been very quarterback driven. So if he can kind of hang out with some of these other guys in this conference, definitely a good sign for him. Let's head over to Ohio State here, Colin. A guy, another guy that we said down the stretch last year was was less than 5% owned on fan tracks. That doesn't always mean a lot when we're talking about C2C leagues because they don't make up the majority of of leagues on fan tracks. And, and, and Evan Pryor was probably owned in whatever league you're in. If he wasn't, we were advocating for you to go pick him up. Evan Pryor, the second year running back at Ohio State, out for the year with a knee injury. Pryor, slightly undersized, but it sounds like he was getting up close to 200 pounds this offseason. Very, very dynamic back. You know, you think about Travion Henderson, who's kind of has that well-rounded skill set, three-down skill set, up to about 250 pounds. They had Mayan Williams behind him, who is, I don't want to call him a thumper. That's not really his game, but he's definitely more an in-between-the-tackles kind of guy. And then Pryor is just kind of this dynamic wild card that was, we didn't really know what his role was going to be, but it sounded like he was going to have something here. Um, no longer on the team, Colin, do you think this, I mean, th this is now a very thin backfield. They, they have Travion, they have Mayan Williams, they have Dallin Hayden, the true freshman running back who I liked. I don't remember how highly you had him ranked and that's it. So those, those three backs are going to get touches this year. Hayden was the kind of guy that we were kind of fading a little bit. Now it sounds like, I mean, he's in play to get 80 touches this season for Ohio state. I think he could be definitely could be in, in play for that uh, about the, the 80 touches or whatever, you know, you were saying there, but you're to your point about it being such a thin backfield. I'm really intrigued about Chip Tranum now. I haven't heard anything about him. What? <laughs> I haven't heard anything about him on the line back, like in the linebacker front. Um, so I don't know what his role on that side of the ball would be, but he's a guy who has played running back for the past two years. He's played it at a high level. If they do need some depth, I could easily see them bringing him over to that side of the ball for a little bit. Uh, and that would make him very intriguing again, because, you know, we liked what we saw out of him in, um, at Arizona state, you know, if he could carve out some sort of a role there in Ohio state's backfield, you know, maybe he gets reinvigorated on the running back game. I don't know. Um, it's just something that I will be keeping an eye on. I hadn't thought about that. That's really, really interesting. Um, I know that Ohio state has weakness at linebacker, let's say. Um, but that, that's really, really interesting. I, and I think that, you know, we were talking about prior kind of being the wild card with his skill set. That's a wild card now with him out. Two wild cards. Woo. Two aces, wild cards. aces are wild. <laughs> um, um, that, that I, I'm not, I haven't heard anything about that. So I don't want to just sit here and us talk. About I haven't either. As if it's like a thing that's going to happen. I haven't either. Total speculation. That, that's an interesting point. Let's pretend that's not going to happen. Colin, real okay. quick. Okay. Travion down the stretch last year got a little banged up. It sounds like he's going to get a, quite a bit of touches, but they they're 
going to try to rotate him to keep him as fresh as possible. Realistically, what kind of touch touch distribution do you think Mayan Williams and then Hayden can get here, assuming that Trainum stays at linebacker? Yeah, assuming Trainum stays at linebacker again. Yeah, that was pretty wildly speculative. That was just irresponsibly. It's just Let's, something I was thinking about. Yeah, um, yeah. It, you know, intriguing. But assuming he stays on that side of the ball, um, you know, I, I think Hayden. 80-ish touches or so. He's a guy that I liked. I just didn't like him going to Ohio State because I didn't see when he would actually see the field because Travion is so talented. Like, um, you know, and Mayan Williams ahead of him too. And Evan Pryor is a guy that I liked a lot. I mean, Evan Pryor is a four-star guy. Very, very dynamic catching the ball. And I thought he, like you said, kind of a wild card, brings a different element to that offense. Um, so I think he could have had some touches there too. But I think it's really going to be heavier on Mayan Williams, you know, I think maybe, like you said, maybe 80 ish touches for Hayden. I think you might be looking at, you know, 120 to, you know, 140 with Williams. Cause I do think they'll want to keep uh Travion fresh down the stretch. This is a team with very high aspirations, national title aspirations. I think they're like the second favorite team um in, in, on the odds behind Bama. And this is a team that I think is going to be one of the best two teams in the country this year. So you want to keep him healthy and you have a back like Mayan who is good in his own right. You know, whoa, 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 whoa. Felix Sharp listens to this show. Do you want to rephrase to not gas him up? That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Mayan Williams is a guy in this backfield. Is that better? That is better. Yes. He's a body. uh, He's a body in this backfield. He, he has a heartbeat. Um, we're we're going to go back yeah. and re-edit and then edit a little bit of this out. Yeah, we're so cut that out. In, in 10 games last year, Mayan had 71 carries, 508 yards, three touchdowns. He's not he's not a bad player. Um, I think Pryor was a better player than him, and I think yes. Travion is certainly a better player than him. I don't know that Hayden is, at least not yet. But I believe Hayden just like – so my first run-through of these guys, at least in the past, I'm, I'm doing it slightly differently this year has been pure talent based. And then I kind of adjust once they get into camp and, yeah, and things start happening. I believe Hayden was my RB 14 going into the off season. So I liked him a lot. Like the, the, is there elite speed with Hayden? No. Is there elite pass catching ability with him? Probably not, but he's really strong between the tackles. Very nice contact balance over 200 pounds, really nice frame, uh, has a nice burst. Like he's kind of Mayan Williams, but not like Mayan Williams is like five eight two thirty or two twenty five. He's like listed at kind of a weird uh, like Hayden's like five ten to seventeen. So he's he's not quite the bowling ball kind of guy, um, but still a very interesting profile nonetheless. And I believe he's from Kentucky. He 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 statistically was very very good last year. I don't have the stats in front of me here to to pull out, but he was very very good. So. Um, I, th- I think he's going to be a factor and I wouldn't like, this is, this is the kind of fun thing about college football. The backfield that looked crowded. Dallin Hayden is legitimately one injury away from being a, a like must roster player in campus to Canton leagues. And honestly, with only three backs there now, I would argue that he might be must roster now, like prepare for if something happens, don't react be proactive. I know you. Every, almost everyone, unless like 
there's the rare league that, that you're in where you have just you. I don't know who to drop. So maybe in that league you don't. But in most of your leagues, you have a guy that you can drop. You might have rostered um, a, a couple different quarterbacks at a school and you're waiting to see who won a job or yeah. how a, a the, the call in special like or, you know, drafting three or four wide receivers at a school to kind of see how uh, a depth chart shakes out. This is the kind of move where if you want to be proactive, you drop one of those guys, you take a little bit of a chance. You you pick up Dallin Hayden, who I saw going undrafted in a lot of supplemental drafts this year. Yeah. And you say, if something were to happen to one of these two players, this is a guy that could probably rush for 700 yards this year, assuming he gets decent game time through seven or eight games of the year. Yeah, I definitely think he's a guy that I uh, was probably too low on. I mean, you know, injury kind of helps his stock up here a little bit. I mean, you just purely talent based i think he was like right around like rb20 for me um but he's a guy that i dropped fairly far down because of the situation backfield's starting to thin out he's a guy that i think is talented a guy that needs to move up and a, a guy that shouldn't be on waivers i agree 100 let's head down to north texas a job that i almost just dropped this one is but I, I didn't want to uh to use this as my example north texas we talked a lot about grant Gannell transferring in there from memphis and kind of taking this job from austin ani um not so fast my friends as a, a mr lee corso says it sounds like austin ani is going to win this job for those who aren't familiar austin ani was the quarterback last year he was not particularly good he is 28 years old he played baseball for a couple years before going to college um if you ask grant Gannell's dad they haven't actually named a, a starter here yet. And that's a little uh, inside uh, a joke for some of the folks that work at C2C. Mr. Gunnell has been hitting the pavement hard on people that have said that Ani's winning this job. Um, but it is official now. Um, this is bad news for the assets there, quite honestly, the wide receivers. Yeah, it really is. I, I mean, this is we were just talking when we went through the conference preview. We were talking North Texas. We're like. Man, like it'll be really exciting if Grant Canell starts here and, you know, our, gives us a lot more hope for our Roderick Burns shares and our Jair Shorter shares. And 28-year-old Ani is going to be back behind center, it sounds like. Um, big disappointment there. I think this, uh, this, this does vault the running backs up a little bit more. I mean, they were a solid rushing team last year. They ran the ball at a good clip. I don't know if they're going to run the ball quite that much again this year, but I think it's going to be enough of a balanced attack that, yeah, you know, maybe we, maybe we bump the running backs up a little bit, you know, we'll have to see exactly who it's going to be, who starts there and what that split looks like, but um, stock down wide receivers, slight stock up running backs. Yeah. For once Colin, I think I just agree with your, um, your final piece of analysis and you stock stock up running backs, probably stock down wide receivers. Um, a couple other interesting pieces of news here. Luther Richeson is a true freshman quarterback, a quarterback, I believe uh, 29 in the class, according to the composite um, elite 11 finalist committed to Cincinnati. He has entered the portal. I want to have a little bit of a discussion about this because we we had an internal discussion at C2C. You know, there there are 27 folks behind the scenes at C2C total. Um, we don't all agree with each other, surprisingly. Um, not that this show Rare. is any indication of that. Yeah. No. 
Um, we had a very large discussion behind the scenes about this, about what this means. And I want to start this discussion before we get into what this means for other people. Luther Richeson is one of those weird profiles to me where he was, he made it to the elite 11. Matt Hasselbeck is his coach that, and he has a connection. Was it to, Hasselbeck or was it Dilfer? Oh shit. It's Trent Dilfer. They look the same. They do. They God, do. Yes, you're right. It is Trent Dilfer. Sorry. Apologies. Trent Dilfer is, is, is his coach. Um, and Dilfer has connections to Elite 11, so maybe he got him in there. But he performed decently at Elite 11 last year. This kid had no offers. He had his Power 5 offers. He had six offers according to 24-7. Now, not all the offers that these kids receive are reported. Like, these schools or the, these websites only get the offer information when the players supply them. So, is it is it possible that Luther Richardson just played this shit super close to the vest? Could be. Could be. We don't know. But it's probably unlikely. The only two Power 5 offers, according to 24-7, that he had were Michigan State, not a bad offer, and Vanderbilt, a bad offer. Everything else was was bad G5 schools. He is a very odd profile. I don't know that he's actually good at football. He is just one of those guys where where he kind of got some hype, and I'm not knocking anybody who liked him because the profile going to Cincinnati is not a bad bet by any stretch of the imagination. But the fact that he that where he was rated, the fact that he had no offers, the fact that he went to Elite 11 and still had no offers, it's a very perplexing uh, piece of, like, just informational whatever all around. And I, I'm wondering, he's not going to transfer up. Like, this is going to be a transfer down of some sort. Yeah, I mean, I think you can definitely say this is going to be a transfer down. Uh, anything less would shock me. Um, but to your point about this just being such a perplexing situation, I completely agree with you. I mean, watching his stuff from the Elite 11, watching some of his other tape, I thought he was solid. I thought he was a solid quarterback. I thought Cincinnati was a good level for him. Um you know, obviously they had Evan Prater there in front of him, but Evan Prater, probably two year guy. Cincinnati's not a, a program that usually starts, you know, sophomores at quarterback. So Evan Prater, probably two year guy. Two years later, Luther Richardson steps up, takes over. Kind of what I was expecting. Enters the portal here. We don't know why. But I, I, I can't imagine it's because he thought he was going to win this job and lost it. I can. Yeah. There wasn't really ever any buzz that he was in contention. It's Bryant, Ben Bryant, Evan Prater. That's it. So I don't know why he's in the portal. I also don't know why he didn't have the offers. And to your point, I do think Trent Dilfer probably pulled some strings to get him in the Elite 11, but he didn't look bad there. And, I mean, even if you want to reference lower-rated quarterbacks who go to the Elite 11 and perform well and then all of a sudden get a bunch of offers, look at Jackson Smollett. Jackson Smollett, 30th overall quarterback in the class, gets the call to come to the Elite 11 as he's already committed to Tulane. And now all of a sudden he's getting offers from Penn State and other places. You know, Notre now Dame. he's committed yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah, he's committed to Penn State now. Yeah. Like that's a that is what kind of what you would have expected from Luther Richardson. Maybe not Penn State, but maybe a Maryland or or something like that. 
and just didn't Maryland happen. fans in shambles right now as you say that. <laughs> They're like, what the fuck? You well, Maryland rope us into this thing. <laughs> Maryland just lost the quarterback to Vanderbilt, so quarterback recruit to Vanderbilt. So who just won. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a very odd situation, and I, I really am intrigued to hear more about it. Yeah, I don't think we'll know. Um, and this is this is one where we'll have to monitor it um, for a little bit to see where he ends up. Um, it's just bizarre. It's just bizarre. I don't know if he thinks higher of himself now or like promises not kept. I don't. I don't really know. But I think anybody with an ounce of sanity realized that he probably was not taking this job immediately, like you said. So this is where the discussion came in on our slack we were talking about what this means for the the job there at cincy and some of the folks in our group seem to think that this indicates that ben bryant definitely won the job i don't understand that line of thinking they were saying that that means that evan prater is going to sit for even longer and then he gets the job for longer i don't think this is a good indication of who wins this job what I do think it's an indication of is just Richardson was so far behind these two and he was probably going to sit for at least two years that it that he just did not want to to sit through those couple of years to 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 learn and and grow and whatever else. And he thinks he can get a job somewhere else. I I don't think this is an indicator of Ben Bryant has this job for sure or Evan Prater wins this job for sure. I still think that's very much up for grabs, at least based on this piece of information yeah i don't see how you could look at this and think that this me that luther richardson's transfer means anything for the way that that qb1 battle is breaking down uh i think like i said luther richardson i don't think anybody expected him to start in his first two years anyway that's just not really what since he does and you know so uh, I, I don't know. Maybe he's worried about uh, with Brady Drogesh coming in behind him, having to compete against him. But most of these guys aren't really worried about that type of thing. So I, I don't know. I mean, his other offers, um, App State, Central Michigan, Charlotte. I mean, you already talked about Michigan State, Vanderbilt, obviously Cincinnati. Does he go to any of those schools and we feel good about it? I mean, maybe Charlotte, he could fill in for Chris Reynolds and be a Chris reynolds is. I don't. Player. I don't ever want to guess anybody to Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's offensive. I try not to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair. I just, I don't know where he's going to end up. Yeah. He's from Tennessee. I don't know. I mean, any school except for Tennessee and Tennessee seems offensive. So Memphis. Middle Tennessee State. He, maybe we can name the quarterback on them next year. Yeah, it's, it not, there's no good option there that, that he, that he, would figure to start at. So I, I don't know where he's going to end up, but I think it's interesting to talk about regardless. Another one that we actually didn't talk about. It's not on the show sheet, uh, Colin. So you're, oh, right. yeah, you're, you're looking clueless right it's now. It's fine. I'm a professional. More clueless than usual. Uh, DeAnthony Gatson. We did not talk about him last show. Did we? No, we did not. Okay. DeAnthony Gatson, the three-star running back um, headed to Louisiana tech is n- apparently not headed to Louisiana tech anymore. Surprise, surprise. It sounds like he is going the Juco route for at least a year or two here. Um, was a popular pick to kind of take over that job. Um, not a lot of talent in that backfield at Louisiana tech. Um, should I, should I, should I say my spiel about what I've been saying about Gadsden for, yeah. for months now? And then, and it kind of the, this is not like a, 
I told you so. It's kind of like how we can learn to kind of figure out some of these guys. Yeah. So DeAnthony Gatson had like 40 offers. And a lot of them were from big time schools. Most famously, uh, USC was a school that he apparently was supposed to be um, really close to before he ended up going to Louisiana Tech. So he visited there. Yeah. Like he went through all of this stuff. He had apparently, according to 24 7, and again, these are player reported. We talked about that earlier. He had offers from Texas, USC, Baylor, Iowa State, Michigan, Michigan State, Oklahoma State. South Carolina, SMU, TCU, Texas Tech, Utah, Washington State. Like pretty big programs overall. You can tell that a, that a that an offer is not committable, which means that basically a school offers you a long time ago and you either don't get really get any better, or quite frankly, you probably get worse or something happens. You know, maybe you're it's looking like you're not going to qualify academically or something like that. You can tell if an offer is not committable. If a player has all of these kinds of big offers and then they somehow end up at the smallest school on their list. I can tell you right now, this kid wasn't trying to stay close to home. It wasn't because he has a soft spot, soft spot for the coaching staff here. He signed to LA tech in February. So you could pretty much line up at that point. You know, he has all these offers. He's from Texas. He ends up at LA tech. None of these offers were committed. Is basically what that means. The coaching staff had basically pulled all these offers. They weren't. They were not actually available to him. I've said this for months. I, I thought this was pretty obvious at the time that, that that this is what was happening. Regardless, I think so. This is that's kind of a lesson if you're looking at some of these guys that are three stars that have all these offers. It's kind of a good place to start. Like, where are they leaning? If they're not leaning toward one of the big offers, they probably stink. Because what kid in their right mind wouldn't go to Texas or USC? if they had that offer. But I think so that that's like one discussion on this. The other discussion on this and again this is not like a ha 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 I've been saying, you know, Anthony Gatson's you know whatever. I for him like I I don't know that he's actually good at football. And for him to go to the JUCO route it sounds like he didn't qualify academically. Louisiana Tech has very average academic standards. We'll call very nice, it. very nice. Um, I, I th this is a point where if your league allows you to hold on to that guy, I don't think he's worth holding on to. I think he is 100% a drop um, because if he can't qualify academically now and he didn't, ha he had all these offers that he couldn't actually commit to, like how good is he? I just don't think there's a guy that I'm interested in at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I question the how good is he because he had – and, you know, it's small conference and smaller uh, division in Texas. He was, I think, the, the division three there in Texas or whatever. So it's not, you know, he, he's not playing 6A or anything like that. But he had f almost 5,500 rushing yards throughout his career and almost a 10, uh, almost a 10 average yards per carry average. Um, and this is all comes from Max Prep here. So, you know, doing that in Texas, I think is still impressive. I think it's indicating indicative of you know he's not a bad football player i don't th i agree i don't think he was the usc he was the texas baylor like i don't think he was that level but i thought he was better than la tech and i also i, I think the reason he's not he's going the juco route like you said is, is most likely the academic eligibility which if you can't get in there go to juco 
I think the dream is probably dead for him because I don't think he's – while I think he is is a solid football player, I don't think he's that talented that you would want to hang on to him. And this is just kind of a, a red, big red flag. Even if he was very good at football, I think it's hard to stomach probably a year or two of him wasting a roster spot, assuming that you're allowed to do that. Some leagues allow you to do that, some don't. Um with no production and you're hoping that he comes back up. So I think just ignoring, is he good at football where he ends up tough pill to swallow for, two, for probably two years. Most of these guys that go Juco, they go down for two years and then they come back up. Yeah. Last piece of news. And I don't know, we really need to discuss this at all. Colin uh, Cameron Ross, uh, probably the leading wide receiver uh, at UConn out for the year, broken foot, uh, which is a bummer. He could have been, Mildly fantasy re- re- uh, relevant if your guy Roberson ever uh, got his uh, crap together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, poor one out for John Lobb. Um, sorry, buddy. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought Cameron Ross, if anybody could have a nice year there, it was him, even with Taquan Roberson's limitations. So it's definitely a disappointment for him. And for UConn's offense as a whole. And I think that's about all we need to say for it. All right. Um, before we hop into uh, the Sun Belt here, guys, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group. We got to meet all of the lovely people uh, there uh, this past weekend, um, uh, especially those guys associated with the college side of things. Um, they do have college content this year, guys. So if you're looking for another place uh, to, to cross-reference what we are telling you, Go ahead, check out the Fantasy Points College stuff. Uh, uh, promo code CAMPUS22 uh, gets you um, uh, a little bit off your membership over there. And if you're just looking for some uh, some different shows to listen to, guys, the Fantasy Points Media Group is the place for you. A ton of great podcasts over there. You can find them all on one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live. Uh, or it, you can just check out the Friday Drop if you are if you don't want to go searching. has the all of the shows uh, for the week. Uh, in that fantasy points media group. All right, Colin, Sun Belt, Fun Belt. Um, all of these schools have just enough to talk about for it to be annoying. Yep. Uh, so let's start with App State, Colin. Uh, a pretty good year last year. They pushed uh, uh, for this conference championship here. Um, they're a run-heavy team. They, they ran quite a bit last year. They bring back their two big running backs this year, and that's where I actually want to start uh, this discussion here with you. Nate Noel, Cameron Peoples. Uh, Peoples was kind of the guy that we thought would would be the lead back last year. Nate Noel a little more explosive, uh, and they both were pretty decent. So I'm, I mean, do you have either of these guys rostered places, and how do you feel about it? Like, do you prefer one over the other? Yeah, so Peoples was the one that I had rostered uh, a decent amount of places last year. I was taking him in supplemental drafts. I did think he was going to be the lead back in this committee, and he sort of was, um, particularly at the goal line. Um, But I'm not quite as interested in him as I was last year. He doesn't really catch passes. Uh, He just is kind of a thumper, and then you have to kind of rely on some touchdowns, which – uh, you know, in the CFF guy, Chris Moxley highlights probably people's is due for some negative touchdown regression because he had a lot last year. So I'm a little bit off of him. Nate Noel is a guy that was available in supplemental drafts decent amount this year. 
I only picked him up in like one or two places. As long as this is such a 50-50 split of a committee, it's going to be annoying. Um, they do lose their OC as well, so they're going on, undergoing an offensive change. They're guys that I think you could put at the end of your roster, and you know maybe one of them goes down, and the, obviously we don't root for injuries, but the other one would then be very productive. As long as they're both healthy, I don't know how often I'm going to want to start these guys, though. Nate Noel was the more explosive back of the two, and people people's did play two fewer games, so accounting uh, for that when you kind of look at these guys. But the, yeah, like you said, the big difference maker was the touchdowns. Yeah, you, know, you were saying there's some regression coming. People's had 14 touchdowns. Noel had four. Um, neither are particularly involved in the passing game. Noel had eight catches last year, but only 16 yards total on those. And um. Cameron Peoples had two catches, but for 19 yards. So, like, I don't, I don't think there's enough of a, um, a uh, information there to kind of draw a conclusion either way. Um, Chase Bryce is going to be the starter there again this year. Um, he is not an exciting player. He's a guy that's kind of bounced around um, a little bit. They lose Corey Sutton, who was their leading wide receiver. Like, I don't love this passing game. I, I think this is a a I'm avoiding the whole thing. And then maybe if somebody steps up in a, a couple weeks into the year, then maybe I revisit it. But I think this is just going to be an offense, at least for now that relies very heavily uh, on the running game. Yeah, I agree. I think this is definitely going to be a more run heavy team, the passing offense. Again, they lose the offensive coordinator. So I don't know exactly what this offense is going to look like this year. Chase Bryce is fine. Uh, but losing for the top five five wide receivers last year, 83% of the team's receiving yards. This passing offense is going to struggle most likely. Um, and the running game is going to be the crux there. But again, we were just talking about it's going to be pretty much probably a 50-50 split. I just think App State in general is in for regression as a team. Uh, and I'm not all that interested in anybody on this roster. Yeah, I agree with this. Um, so let's, I mean, no Corey Sutton. I think he was kind of the wide receiver that we wanted there over the past couple of years. Like it's just so much turnover that that I'm uh, uh, I, I'm avoiding it for right now. Arkansas State, I think, is still an offense that I'm targeting uh, pretty late in drafts here. James Blackman is going to be uh, the starter this year. They had uh, two quarterbacks last year. They kind of rotated Blackman and Hatcher. Um, and Blackman was kind of the worst of the two. Um, we, you know, we kind of all said like, why won't they just play Hatcher more? Like when he's in there, the offense just looks so much different. Um, but now, now we're kind of getting like the monkey paw curled and now we're just stuck with, with, uh, with, with Blackman here, but he does have a couple options to throw it to, even with Corey Rucker leaving to balance hunt and Jeff Hor Foreman. I think it's a little difficult to say which of those guys is probably going to end up being the guy, but I think it's pretty easy to say right now that those are going to be the two guys. And so I think rostering one or the other is not necessarily a bad thing, uh, depending on how deep your benches are. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And, you know, I am slightly biased because I have a couple of Jeff Foreman um, shares from last year. So, I'm going to hang on to those, you know, but if you don't have Foreman and you wanted to pick up Trevalence Hunt, I think that's fine as well. 
I do think they're worth picking up to kind of see how this goes. Um, James Blackman was a little bit, was the worst of the two QBs last year, but with Lane Hatcher out, um, I think James Blackman is pretty much going to be the guy here. So James Blackman is a guy, the 24 teamer that we have, like I picked James Blackman up in that. Um, So, you know, he's worth a roster in deep, deep leagues because this is a pass heavy offense. Um, But beyond Hunt or Foreman in your standard league, I'd probably only take one of them. And I'm not really rostering anybody else after that. I agree with that. And they, they had, um, um, oh, what the heck's his name? Pere or pair Lincoln Pere per mm, pair. Yeah. I don't know how you said his last name. He was their starting running back last year. Uh, he's now out the door. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how effective this offense is going to be from a rushing standpoint. They didn't run the ball a ton last year in the first place. Um, and now with, uh, kind of breaking in a new running back, I'm not, buying any of the running backs here uh, i think you're better off letting league mates kind of take a stab there if you're if they're looking for some starting running back uh, production so hunt and foreman probably rosterable blackman really really depends on how deep your league is uh one name to highlight jackson daly is the true freshman that's there this year um got some love across a couple of our different shows this offseason a guy that in super deep leagues i've, I've stashed him in a couple places um, and could be the guy that takes over again in an offense. I believe uh, passed the ball like twenty. Uh, our, our CFF guy says twenty six in the country in terms of like a neutral neutral game script pass rate. So uh, could be plenty of volume there for him uh, if he gets the job. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Daly's a guy that I'm watch listing places. Let's move on here. Coastal Carolina, I think, is one of the more intriguing teams in this conference because they they simultaneously have a lot and also lost a lot from last year. I think the discussion has to start with Grayson McCall, one of the most efficient passers in college football history. Um, just insanely, insanely efficient year in, year out. Like at this point, we we can't really say that it was just a fluke that he's going to regress to the mean. He's done it multiple years. Um, but he does lose a, a couple of his big weapons here. Javon Haile, uh, Isaiah Likely, the wider, top wide receiver, top tight end, respectively, both gone to the NFL. I think the big question is, can he maintain that efficiency without those two guys? And is he really an NFL guy? I th- and I think those kind of both go together. Yeah, I would say those go together. Uh, in terms of efficiency, I think this offense is... A lot. I think the offense lends itself to him being a high efficiency player. I think the reason his efficiency is so high, like historically high, is because of Grayson McCall, the player. So I think it's a little bit twofold there. But so I think he will maintain a high level of efficiency. I don't think it'll be quite the levels that we've seen the years before. Uh, because Javon Halai and Isaiah Likely are both talented players. Um, they both got drafted. Uh, Isaiah Likely has been making a little bit of noise for... I don't think Halai got drafted for the record. Didn't he? I don't think he did. I think he went undrafted, didn't he? I don't know. But he didn't get both... invited to the Combine. I knew that. I knew he was a snub from that. Well, 
Anyway, Halai is solid and likely is making noise already for the Ravens. So those are good weapons. They have to replace them. The options that they have to replace them are decent, but not quite to that level. So I do think this offense's efficiency standpoint takes a step back. They they last year likely had 59 catches, 912 yards, 12 touchdowns, and highlight had 66 catches, 1128 yards, and seven touchdowns. There are a couple guys on the team that I think are interesting. Let's not pretend like this team is completely devoid of talent. Sam Pinckney comes in from Georgia State. Um, had a couple really productive years there, and we thought he was going to be um, really, really good last year. And then he just kind of didn't happen. It, it was very, very odd. Um, 47 catches, 815 yards, seven touchdowns his third year. And then last year in more games, 27 catches, 311 yards, one touchdown. Very disappointing, but now he probably fills into the leading role here. He's a guy that I've been stashing late in a lot of drafts. I think a lot, a lot of people have caught up to the fact that he he's popped up here, but he seems like profile-wise a very similar player to highlight kind of, you know, a little bit taller, but still, you know, six, four, like pure boundary guy, like alpha for college. I think he can be a thousand yard receiver in this offense with the hyper efficient McCall throwing the ball. Oh, I completely agree. I wasn't trying to say that the, this offense was devoid of talent. I'm just saying, I don't think they're quite at the level of Hawaii and likely, uh, particularly Gravette and likely, but I didn't take it that way. But I, um, now that I, now that you've said it like that, I, I did take it that way. You're very, you you're way. very, very rude. You did take it that way. Uh, Pinkley is a guy that I like a lot. Um, you have him ranked 93rd in your wide receiver rankings. I have him 108, so I'm not particularly far behind. Um, not a bad spot. No. Uh, Alfred 207, Felix Matt unranked. So I, I do like Sam Pinkney. He's a guy that I have been stashing in a good amount of places too because I think he has a really nice opportunity ahead of him here to take over that wide receiver one role in a uh, offense that while they don't necessarily uh, pass the ball at a high rate, it's not an abysmally low rate uh, and they're just hyper efficient. So I, I think, yeah, like you said, I, I think he'll have a nice year this year fantasy wise. He's my big target. The other one there. So I know they have a couple of guys that are on the depth chart here ahead of him, but Deandre Coleman is an interesting stash true freshman. One of the higher rated, uh, offensive skill position freshman they brought in over the past couple of years. Probably not a factor this year, at least not early on. You know, maybe he he breaks out a little bit as the year goes on. But um a guy that I definitely am stashing there because I think uh in terms of upside, he definitely has um uh just as much, if not more, than anybody else on the roster. Let's head over to the running back position here, Colin. We've had a lot of interesting discussion in the Discord of this offseason about Braden Bennett and what Braden Bennett can be. So Braden Bennett um, is kind of the athletic, I, I don't know how, like undersized running back for Coastal Carolina uh, compared to uh, his compatriot, Reese White Bennett, listed at a 6'2", 200, so he's tall and he's a little bit leaner, but definitely a very good athlete for the position uh, and was very, very efficient last year uh, in his carries. He's going to be splitting touches with Reese White, and I think Reese White is going to be a problem for him uh, in terms of siphoning off carries. I, th I know a lot of people are, are really in on Bennett because he was hyper-efficient, and you know we can project him to get all these carries, but I still think this offense, 
I think is what's it's going to look very similar to the Arizona Cardinals offense from a rushing perspective, where you have a running back that you run between the twenties, and that's going to be Chase Edmonds the past couple of years. It's going to catch some catch some passes, uh, not a lot of touchdowns unless he breaks a long one. Reese White is going to get the work from the twenties to the end zone, and those are the valuable touches. Those are the money touches. Those are the ones that turn into touchdowns. Um, and so I think Reese White is going to be a bigger pain in Braden Bennett's uh, backside but, than people want to admit. Backside, Colin. Backside. We don't say we don't say tush on this show. I I agree with you. I know Braden Bennett has been getting a lot of hype out there, and I do think it is warranted to a certain extent. Um, Coastal schedule is soft. Um, they get Virginia, and that's the only power five team that they get at all, all year. And Virginia, I don't think is going to be a particularly good team this year. So I don't think it's unreasonable to think that Coastal could potentially go 11 and one. And in some of these games have some poor or have some uh, games where they're just like running the ball. So I think Braden Bennett will have some really nice fantasy weeks. But like you said, Reese White is probably going to be the guy that they're going to use down towards the goal lines and that's going to just kind of limit Braden Bennett's ceiling. Um, so I'm a little bit lower on him than some others in terms of CFF purposes. Um, but I do think he is a guy that is worth rostering. He's a guy that I have picked up in a couple supplemental spots. So I, I do like him. But Reese White's cheaper. So I have more Reese White. Everyone wants to talk about how efficient Braden Bennett was last year. And he definitely was. You know, the three... Uh, backs on this team that got significant carries were, were Bennett, Reese White, and Shamari Jones. And Jones has graduated. He's no longer in school here. Jones averaged six and a half yards per carry. White averaged 7.2 and Bennett averaged 8.6. So yes, he was hyper efficient, but it's not like the other backs on that roster were not also very efficient. It's the nature of what this offense does with kind of this triple option gimmicky BS offense that it's the reason why none of us like Grayson McCall from an NFL perspective because it's really gimmicky, gets these guys into space really, really easily, uh, kind of sets them up with with easy decisions to make. You can't you can't use the efficiency argument for me when the back that is competing with you also averaged over seven yards per carry on decent volume and would have probably carried the ball more than you last year, if not for an injury that kept him out for four games. You can't use that argument with me. It does not fly. It does not logically make sense. So I would rather have Reese White at round 40 value than Braden Bennett at round 15 value. That just yeah. is the nature. And that's basically where these two go because people are really hyping up Bennett. He was really efficient on fewer carries last year. Well, guess what? He's going to be efficient on fewer carries again this year. Reese White is going to get more carries. And Grayson McCall had more carries than Braden Bennett last year. Like he's going to be the third option in this rushing attack. I don't, I think he is a huge fade for college fantasy. I think he's a huge fade for C2C leagues. I think he's a huge fade for people that are buying into the Debbie aspect of him. I just think this is a guy where I'm willing to die on this, that I just don't see the value that other people are hyping up with him. I don't think the role will be there. And the coaching staff has basically said as much this offseason. Yeah, I, I'm not quite as passionate about it as that. Like, Get I will... passionate, Colin. Feel something. Come on. <laughs> You're just sitting there with a the blank look on your face. Were no you emotion. <laughs> I didn't know you were having problems at home, man. I'm no, sorry. Okay. No, I'm sorry. Okay. I wouldn't have gone. It's all good. No, it's all good. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm not as passionate as as you are on, on the Braden Bennett hate there. Like I said, I have taken him in some places, um, but his ADP is too high. And I do end up with White because White is being dramatically underrated in this offense. And just a note, you talked about him earlier. You mentioned the name Xavier Gravett is the replacement for Isaiah Likely. I'm not sure if I'm I'm predicting a 60, 1114 tut line or whatever whatever uh, Likely had last year, but I do think he's in line uh, for some decent production this year. So Gravett uh, is an intriguing guy there. Georgia Southern, a team that at first glance is slim pickings and at second glance is also slim pickings. Um, not a lot here, but I do think there's there's enough meat on the bone to to barely keep me interested for a few minutes. They do bring in Kyle Van Treese, transfer quarterback from Buffalo. I don't think we have to talk about him too much. Um, there, there's really not a lot to be said. But let's head over to their running backs. I think there's some value here. And Chris Moxley, all offseason, talking about Jalen White, who is projected to be the starting running back here. They bring in Clay Helton. Um who has kind of a a more of a spread running or spread offense type background. Um, but White was really strong in spring. I think he can catch some passes. And I think he could be a sneaky guy. This is like a round 40 plus player. I'm not taking him before then. I think actually I have him in, I want to say two different leagues. They're both like 2014 plus like you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. But in those kind of leagues, I think he's definitely a must have as a guy that could break out uh, you know a thousand yards and a handful of touchdowns and that's that that has some decent value yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with taking jalen white like that late like around 40 you know in your last round or two in there in your drafts particularly in a deep league like you were saying i just am hesitant to invest too much capital in a running back in clay helton's offense now this offense is not going to be quite as pass heavy as USC had been in the past under Helton because they don't really have the weapons there. Kyle Van Treese is mediocre at best. I mean, he'll be okay. Um, you know, they have two receivers that uh, I know Chris Moxley also likes um, these guys as well as Jeremy Singleton, um, a transfer and Derwin Burgess. I think they're okay as well. I just don't see a lot of talent on this roster where they're going to be able to throw the ball as much as Helton's going to want. And they only return one starter on the offensive line. So I don't know how good the rushing attack is necessarily going to be. And again, Clay Helton's offense running backs don't typically do that much. So Jalen white is fine. There's some pieces on here that are fine. I'm just not particularly investing yet, but it is an offense that I will want to invest in when they get some better pieces there. The wide receivers are not intriguing at all, in my opinion. Um, this is an offense where I don't think Van Treese will support a relevant wide receiver, and if he does, you can pick him up for free. Um, so I'm not even going to highlight any of the names here unless you disagree with me, Colin. Um, I did just talk about them. A little bit. They weren't. Okay. You, I was just just checking, just making sure you're listening. I was actually a little worried about your problems at home. I've kind of been oh, stewing on that over the past okay. few minutes. So okay, well, it's it's okay. We're good. Okay, We're good. the wedding's good. still on. You're still invited if Kelsey decides she wants to bring you. I think she might be looking elsewhere. Um, for good reason. Georgia State, 
next up here. Uh, Darren Granger, we talked to early uh, earlier this offseason. Really good kid. Um, transferred up. Really good year. Last year, rushing threat. Um, not a not not a a great passer, but he's not awful either. He's just good enough to make it work, especially in the Sun Belt. Like I think he'll be a good player there. Uh, definitely rosterable. Um, I, do you have any strong thoughts about Granger either way here? Um, I don't have any strong thoughts on Granger, but I mean, first of all, Granger, great kid. Um, I believe he was one of, if not our very first player interview. He was not the first. Not the first. One as, of the as, first. As the person that talked to him, he was not my first. Yes. One of the earliest player interviews that we did. So, you know, great kid. Definitely rooting for him. We talked about him last year a lot, and I think he is absolutely rosterable for fantasy purposes. I think he's going to have some really nice fantasy weeks. He's a dual threat guy, but he's not a guy where if, if I have to start him, I'm worried about that week. So he will be startable. I don't know if I would want to start him, if that makes sense. No, I think that's totally fair. Um, I, I don't think he's a bad player, but he's the kind of guy where I only I want to start him only in a pinch, but I think he's an, he's a nice guy to have on your bench. In leagues where you have fewer than four roster uh, waiver wire ads, like I think you know, just having some flexibility at quarterback is never a bad thing. And I think... Um, uh, he can offer that. Um, the running backs, probably committee, uh, the two top guys last year, Tucker, Greg, and I don't know, Jameis Williams, I believe is how you say it. They had about a, about 2,000 yards last year, right around there combined between the two of them. I don't know that there's that I love either of these guys. I think running production can be found pretty easily in college. I think you're better off looking elsewhere. And then if one of them gets hurt, maybe one of them turns into a bell cow. But from day one, that's not the... Uh, the read that I'm getting on this group. Yeah, me either. I think this is a committee. Um, Tucker, Greg, mildly intriguing. Just two in first names. I don't trust this guy. First mm-hmm. off, it's a good point. Uh, I was just saying mildly intriguing just in case something happens to Jameis Williams. But I mean, I'm, I'm not probably not rostering him anywhere. I think you can pick him up on waivers if something happens because People probably aren't going to be paying that close of attention to the Georgia State backfield. So if something happens to one of them, you know, you can probably still go pick them up if you're paying attention. Yeah, easy pick up there. Uh, And then at wide receiver, um, I don't I wouldn't want to roster any of these guys. But interesting to note that Jamari Thrash, I'm pretty sure is his dad is James Thrash, who played in the NFL for the Eagles. I was literally I was going to make that comment, but I didn't know if he was for sure or not. There can't be that many thrashes out there. I'm That's pretty sure I it is. Saying. I'm pretty sure I remember reading that last year. This is so I didn't prep like that note on my on my notes here. That's just a. I'm pretty sure I remember this from from last gotcha. season. But yeah, gotcha. I was I was literally thinking that. Yeah. Um. So if you have fond memories of the Eagles wide receiver four from the early 2000s, um, then maybe you go pick up his son. Um. James Madison, new team up here. Uh. In in uh, the FBS coming up from the FCS level. I think they're going to actually be a decent team this year. You know, it's tough to exactly draw conclusions from last season and they do lose Antoine Wells, one of their better players, but this is a team that in the Sun Belt here, I think could finish in the middle of the pack. They do bring in uh, Todd Santeo, uh, bring him over from uh, the West coast out there. I'm not a huge fan of his, 
But I've had this discussion with some of our CFF crew at C2C, and he was at Colorado State last year with Steve Adazio. They uh, argue that Centeo basically was not allowed to run. There was no creativity to the offense. The offense was basically playing defense against Centeo and the rest of them, and he'll do much better in a more wide-open offense at JMU. Sure, why not? I don't know. I'm not drafting this guy in anything other than leagues where it's super deep and you just have to roster a bunch of quarterbacks. But I think I guess the argument is there that that he could do something this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility that Steve Adazio was really holding that offense back. So I I, I will agree, agree that we don't really know what Centeo will look like in a pass, more pass-heavy offense. We don't know. I don't want to say we don't know how good he is. Let's say we don't know how bad he is. We don't know if he can support this offense or not. I tend to lean that he can support one guy in this offense. So there is a guy in this offense that I, uh, I, I, I've been taking a couple places. Running backs, um, again, like I haven't gone back and watched a lot of JMU football. I'm going to be completely honest here, but it sounds like Percy Agaye Obise is going to be the lead nice, back. Nice. Uh, he sat out last year with a knee injury, but he is back. I've stashed him. Again, this is not a guy where I'm taking him in a normal 12-team, 45-man uh, roster league because I don't know exactly what this rushing attack is going to look like. But in leagues that are deeper than that and or – um, leagues where I get a bunch of waiver pickups. I'm more intrigued by him because if he flops, I can go pick up somebody else. If it's not one of those two situations, I'm probably leaving him on the waivers, but watch listing him just in case. I have him in one or two places. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely interested in him. I mean, he's one of the most accomplished players, one of the most productive players um, for James Madison in their history. So, and, and James Madison doesn't have a particularly hard schedule. You know, uh, so I think that there will be definitely startable weeks for him. Um, so I, I am intrigued by him. Um, so I would roster him. Well, there you go, guys. That is about the the best um, uh, sign off that I've ever seen on one of these players. Uh, Chris Hort Thornton is probably going to be the guy at wide receiver. The only significant producer returning on the offense with Wells not coming back. I don't really have much else to say about that. If they're going to pass the ball and Centeo is going to be as good as people think he's going to be, then Thornton probably hits a thousand yards. Like I think, I, I think if one is true, the other has to be. Yeah. I feel pretty good that, that a thousand yards is within a very reasonable range of outcomes for Chris Thornton. Um, Chris Thornton's the one guy that I was alluding to earlier that I, I, am interested in for this passing attack. I have him rostered in a couple places. I think he can be very productive and I don't think he, it's necessary for Todd Santeo to be good. I think if Todd Santeo is serviceable, this offense will kind of funnel it, the passing game towards Chris Thornton a little bit more given the departure of Antoine Wells. So I think there's room for Thornton to be productive and startable even if Santeo himself may not be so Thornton is a guy that I'm much more interested in let's head out uh, from JMU we'll head over to that's good Louisiana Louisiana thank you Colin for hopping in gotcha um 
Napier leaves, I think this offense losing Napier is big. Losing Levi Lewis is also big. He's been a pretty solid like rock you could lean on there at quarterback over the past couple of years. So so blooding in a different quarterback is going to hurt. Chris Smith is really the only interesting player here to me. The only one of the big running back trio or or quad whatever that uh that returns. Um, I think a thousand yard roster is definitely or a thousand yard season is definitely in his uh, uh, range of outcomes here. Um, but I'm not buying the rest of this offense. This is one probably might be the worst UL offense in worst UL team that we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, I agree with that. I do think this is going to be the worst UL team we've seen in some time. I mean, this team has uh, they went 13 and one last year. They've had a couple other years after that where they were really good. And they do lose Napier, but they do promote from within uh, to, to head coach Michael DeSormo. Um, I guarantee I butchered that. But, you know, so they, they promoted from within. So there's some level of optimism, but they lose a lot, especially offensively. I mean, losing Levi Lewis is big, like you mentioned. They lose two of their three headed monster running back. And Amani Bailey off the TCU, Montreal Johnson over to Florida with Napier. So they lose a lot. I think this team is going to be a good bit worse than they were before. So the game script might not necessarily be there for Smith, but he is the only back in this backfield that I trust. I do think they're still going to be run heavy. So Smith is still a guy that I am very interested in. Let's head over to Marshall. I mean, that's all I really want to talk about there, unless you have another name to throw out. It doesn't sound nope. like you did. Um, Marshall loses Grant Wells. I think it's a really big loss for them. Competent QB play at this level can't be understated, and we're not sure that they're going to get it with Henry Columbia, who comes over from Texas Tech. Let's go over to Rasheen Ali, though. I think he's just the guy on this offense. Had a really big year last year, over 20 touchdowns, um, uh, quite a bit of yardage as well. I know some of our CFF crew argue that there's some regression coming for Ali's touchdowns, but regardless, like this offense only is going to go as far as Rasheen Ali can go. So they're going, he's going to get touches. And I think, you know, the vol, the volume will be there. And we like guys that are getting big volume for fantasy purposes. Yeah. And it's not just volume. I mean, he catches passes too. So, you know, he's going to get, He's going to very much be the focal point of this offense. He's going to get a lot of carries. He's going to get a lot of passes. I do think that there is some touchdown regression coming. Like I don't see another 20 touchdown season coming, but I think given his volume and his workload expectations, we can reasonably expect a nice touchdown year again. You know, he could see 15 touchdowns this year. And while it's a step back and he may not finish as a top three, top five RB, I still think he'll finish as an RB1. You know, it's probably more towards the back end, probably that 10 to 12 range. So I am interested in Ali, but he has been going very early in the CFF drafts that I have seen and have participated in. So he's going a little early for me in those. He he tends to be the first like pure CFF guy off the board in C2C drafts as well. And I'm not saying there's no chance that he ever is anything in the NFL, but I think it's not super likely. I, I yeah. like he's not a he's not a bad athlete. He has a pretty well rounded skill set. I think the NFL could like him, but I think he's going to go late. Um, so that doesn't necessarily preclude preclude him from ever having NFL value. I mean, running backs are only one injury away. Right. Um, but just a tough uh, prediction there for him. Right. Yeah, I agree. And then beyond him, um, 
I mean, Corey Gamage, the wide receiver one last year, probably going to be, the, should be the wide receiver one again this year. Henry Columbia at Texas Tech was like, okay at times. I think he'll be fine at Marshall. I think he can support a wide receiver there. So if you have Corey Gamage rostered, or if you're in a super deep league, like I don't, I think you can do a lot worse than Corey Gamage. Yeah, we're not interested in really any of the other guys there. It is interesting to note that Callan LeBourne has finally popped up at Marshall, a guy that was at Florida State a few years ago um, and was kind of got some hype. Um, I don't know. He's like 25 now. Um, yeah. But he's there. He's there. Uh, and he's one injury away from, from being the guy at Marshall. Old Dominion. Um, some sneaky, interesting players here. Let's start with Zach Koontz. We, Ethan was on a couple weeks ago, and he talked about him as a guy that um, – could get some stock up this year. Uh, Koontz had uh, over 600 yards receiving last season. He's not a yak guy at all. I know he he's supposed to test as a superior athlete. I don't see that on tape. He's six foot eight. I I still personally think he's a college only guy, and I won't. I'm not willing to bend on that. Even though I was nice to Ethan when he was on here. Sorry, Ethan. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, I I will push back on the athleticism side of things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. former Penn State guy. We got to hype up our dude. We are. <laughs> are you finished? Yeah, I'm done. Can I, can I go? Yeah. I agree with you. It doesn't show up on tape because he's not that type of an athlete. He's not agile. He's not. <laughs> he's, he'll, but... be, he'll be fast in a straight line, but he is explosive. Um, and at 6'8", and as an explosive athlete where he can, you know, he can jump high. And that'll like really extend his frame. So I think he's going to be an absolute monster in the red zone this year. And I think that will allow him some sort of a role in the NFL. I mean, if Levine Toloilo can last for on the Falcons for as long as he lasts. But that's not a fantasy relevant person. He's not. So what are you trying to sell me on here? That he'll be in the NFL. That's like selling me cookies, but the box is full of sawdust. That's not a cookie. (laughs) This is not a tight end. This is a, just a person who we- happens to wear a football uniform on Sundays. He, he will, yes, he will wear a football uniform on Sundays. Is what I was kind of getting at. I don't necessarily, I don't what, see what the is NFL. The actual, what is the actual value in that, though? I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. You said you didn't think he was an NFL guy. There's no. I it's think not he's like, an NFL guy. It's not like tight ends where it's not like running back where you just plug the next guy in. If the tight end gets hurt, guess what? We just don't throw it to the tight end. I don't know that that logic holds up in terms of like, well, he's going to make a roster. I have a little bit of higher ambitions for a tight end that I'm going to roster than that, especially a guy that is that at times is going as the tight end four off the board. Yeah, that's a little high for me in a C2C, a CFF. I definitely agree with it. I'm just saying he's going to be in the NFL. That's all I'm saying. Okay, and I'm just saying he's the sawdust in the cookie box. Um, Ollie Jennings, probably their leading wide receiver, a pretty good athlete. Like he's a really intriguing player to me. I don't know that he's he he'll wear a jersey on Sundays at some point, Colin. Boom. Um, he's an NFL I'm, guy. You know that's not what I mean. Um That's what you said. But I think he's an intriguing guy, and I think definitely for fantasy purposes, he could eclipse a thousand yards this year, uh, depending on exactly how much they're willing to pass the ball. Yeah, I, I, Ali Jennings is a guy that, um, you know, over a thousand yards last year. I think we're going to see another roughly about a thousand yards again this year. 
I mean, the good thing about this offense is I feel pretty confident that the passing offense is really going to funnel um, to Jennings, Kuntz, and then Blake Watson out of the backfield will catch some passes as well. But I don't really see anybody else really being that much, be that involved beyond that. So, you know, I, I like that this offense is going to funnel through Jennings and Kuntz, and they're both guys that I would roster, especially Kuntz and CFF. Blake Watson, the only other guy here, and he has some dual eligibility, which makes him interesting. Um, I don't roster him anywhere, but he's kind of guy that just falls through the cracks for me when I'm drafting. I definitely think he probably should be on a roster in leagues, but not. Um, he's not like the sexy name. Uh, he's a he's a big Chris Moxley. Chris Moxley is a big uh, Blake Watson guy. Uh, we took him in in the King CFF Kings Classic draft, uh, and by we I mean Chris. But um, yeah, I mean I, I think he's definitely is worth a roster. He's a guy that I you know add to my queue every time. He's a guy that I watch list every time. I think I only have him in like one place. Maybe other people take him a little bit earlier than I do. I think he's more of like around 40 type of a guy, around 35 type of a guy. And he's usually gone for me by that point. But yeah, absolutely should be rostered. Heading on down to South Alabama, Colin. Um, There are a couple interesting names here. They lose uh, Tolbert to the NFL, leading wide receiver drafted by the uh, Cowboys, but we, we the, generally speaking, the South Alabama wide receiver one is a guy that we like. And uh, I've been drafting a little bit of Jalen Wayne this offseason, the guy that figures uh, to step into his role, a, a slightly bigger bodied guy. Um, and probably really the only guy on this team that I think is particularly interesting at this point. So Jalen Wayne, Colin, um, gay or, or nay, 630 yards last year. Not, not, not bad. Yeah, Jalen Wayne's a yay. Yeah, absolutely. Yay! Yay! yay. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily, I don't think this offense is going to be quite as productive as it was last year under Bentley and Jalen Tolbert. Um, but I think that Desmond Trot will be okay, and I think Jalen Wayne will. Uh, this isn't going to be a team that's particularly good. Um, that's they're going to be in a lot of negative game scripts. So yeah, they're going to probably have to throw the ball a decent amount. I think Jalen Wayne can be a very productive CFF player for you. Um, the only other name that I think I've ever really heard people talk about this is off season is LaDamian Webb, who has been around the block a few times, yes. uh, but it's settled in here at South Alabama. Um, they, they run the ball an average amount of the time. So, you know, maybe he gets a decent amount of production, but we haven't loved the South Alabama running back, uh, over the past few years. So I think this is more of a guy that I'm willing to watch list, but I'm not willing to roster him at least currently. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this, this offensive line was atrocious last year, 116th in line yards. Um, they bring back two guys that bring in three transfers. So maybe it's a little bit better. I don't know if it's going to be anything that we want to invest in, though. So, yeah, Damien Webb, watch this kind of guy. Keep an eye on him. I'm probably not rostering him. Two names on Southern Miss here real quick that we need to talk about, but not in depth. Ty Keys has some rushing upside at quarterback. Deep, 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 I, I, do you want to add anything on keys? I mean, I think I just laid out the case for him right there. 
No, his, his upside is entirely with his legs. I wouldn't roster him in a standard league, but in a 24-teamer, the one that we're in, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and then Frank Gore Jr. is still on this roster. I know his dad's retired. The dream of the two of them playing together in the NFL is probably over. And if you've watched Frank Gore, the dream of him playing in the NFL, Frank Gore Jr., the dream of him playing in the NFL ever, may never have really taken off to begin with. Not a bad player, a decent college running back, but he's I mean, he played a lot of wildcat quarterback last year because they just didn't have anything there. He's he's an average player. I think he's 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 okay. If he's a bottom of the roster guy for you, you could do a lot worse. But he's not a guy that I'm actively trying to acquire. I just think he's only really gotten where he is today because his name is Frank Gore Jr. That's the only reason he's getting drafted as high as he is. Um, I mean, last year he finishes the RB eighty two in a points per game basis. So not even really somebody that you want to start. I mean, yes, he said he was kind of doing some wildcat quarterback stuff. Like that was just like a bad team. So I think he's a little bit better than wide receiver 83, but this guy just goes way too early in drafts. I mean, he is an ADP in the month of July of 144. You know, and it has hovered, you know, right around one in, in February, it was 135 and it dropped into about 180, 179. But he's he's a guy who gets drafted in all of our C2C leagues, which only are mocks, which only go 15, maybe 20 rounds. I'm not taking him in that range at all. So I don't know what you guys are doing. Stop drafting him based on his name. Yeah, really, really, truly bizarre to me. Texas State. Um, this is actually an offense where I don't want to roster any of it, um, to be completely honest. I know Lane Hatcher comes over from Arkansas State. It's a name that people will recognize, as is the aforementioned Lincoln, uh, Lincoln uh, Pere or Pear, uh, also from Arkansas State. I don't, I don't think in a normal league you need to roster these guys. I just don't. I think you, know, you can watch list these guys, and if something happens, you can go pick them up. Yeah, um, just adding to guys that I would watch list but not pick up. Calvin Hill, you know, he was the running back last year. Um, he was okay at times. And then Marcel Barbie, um, also wide he was a wide receiver. He was okay at times. Shrimp on the Barbie. Uh, I would watch list both of, the, both of those guys just in case this team kind of overperforms for some reason. But I'm really not rostering anybody else on here. Let's head over to Troy. It sounds like uh, just uh, to to break some news here that uh, Daigie coming over from Western Kentucky is going to go to Troy. It sounds like he is practicing there and that he is likely to be the starter. Um, quite frankly, I think that's a huge middle finger to the guys that spent the whole entire offseason learning that offense and, and preparing, especially when Daigie's not good. Yeah. So bizarre to me. They had Gunnar Watson and Peter Castelli uh, uh, competing for that job prior to that. Uh, Kimani Vidal going to be the leading running back, a guy that we think is pretty talented, but I'm not sure how much uh, upside this offense possesses from like a pure uh, numbers perspective. I think they're going to struggle as an offense, and you know that just leaves less opportunity for Vidal, especially behind an offensive line that um, was not particularly good. I know they bring back the whole line, but they were so bad last year that that isn't necessarily is a, good a thing, yeah. plus for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just um, uh, to touch on Deggy, I mean, the, the reason we liked Deggy was because he we thought he was going to be the starting quarterback for Western Kentucky, not because we thought he was like a world beater or anything like that. Um, certainly would not call him prolific. Um, 
like uh, I, I saw a tweet out there about. But yeah, I mean, with him on Troy, zero interest. Like you said, kind of a big middle finger to Watson and Costelli, who were on campus, kind of learning the offense and competing all off season. But um, I think that between Watson, Costelli, and Daigie, one of those guys should be somewhat serviceable of a quarterback on offense, which I know ringing endorsement, but I do think that helps um, Tez Johnson, who's a a wide receiver there that Chris Moxley, again, has really been hyping up. Um, Very athletic guy. Top two receivers are gone. So it's really just kind of him left. And if they have competent QB play um, with a 20th um, overall neutral game skirt pass rate and probably not a very good team, he could have some really nice weeks. So Tez Johnson's a guy that I think is worth rostering and a bench kind of a guy. The starting tight end is one letter away from being Michael Vick. It's Michael Vice, and I thought that was notable too, but that's all I have to say about that. Um, last game here, UL Monroe, the Warhawks, one of the cooler names in college football. Um, they're, they have a wide receiver named Boogie Knight, Colin. How cool is that? Cool name of the Warhawks. They got a cool guy at wide receiver, Boogie Knight, and I think that's they got a cool guy. About- they got a cool guy talking about him named Colin Decker. <laughs> and I think that is just about all we need to say about the UL Monroe Warhawks. Yep. Poopy. I, uh, I I don't care about this offense at all. I don't think you need to roster any of these guys. I don't think there's the, there's any upside here. And quite frankly, um, if you are rostering these guys, um, maybe this format just is not for you. Um, all right, guys, that's going to do it for tonight's show. I know we we begged and pleaded earlier, but five-star reviews help. Go over and check out everything else at campusdecanton.com after you leave that review. Um, tons of articles getting you kind of ready for the season here. Um, check out the tools, the ADP, the rankings, all that good stuff. We're going to have a ton of un- in-season content. We had a meeting right before we did this show talking about some of our in-season shows that we're going to have going on. It's going to be some good stuff again for you guys just to get you prepped for what to expect. Saturdays, guys, 10 a.m. to noon every week. Going to have two hours of pregame content, injuries, news, prize picks, start, sit, all of that good stuff. Storylines that we are watching for the day, uh, some betting content as well. Uh, and then at night, after the games are over, around 11 Eastern Standard Time, recap the day's action. Talk about some stock up, stock down, uh, specific games, how players looked, um, and just every pretty much all the info that you need to know for the week, we're going to have covered for you. Um, yeah. 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 Very excited yeah. about the shows. We did them last year. Uh, they were pretty well received. We had a lot of fun doing them. So definitely tune in for those. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about those. We're, we're, we're revamping them a little bit. You know, we got some new people on staff as well. So really excited for, uh, you know, some of the DFS breakdowns that we're going to see in the morning and stuff. So uh, we're pretty proud of those. Definitely check those ones out. Yeah, guys, we will see you next week. We return to our normal schedule. So campus life early in the week, Canton bound later on. So much NFL information bottled up that it's just gonna, you know, that's gonna be a crazy show. It's gonna be a crazy show if I if I am moderately awake for it. Uh, can't yeah. promise that. Yeah, that's the big thing. I mean, I will bring the energy. I'll bring the news. We'll see if it's a weekend at Bernie's type of an episode with Austin or or what he brings to the table. You're gonna bring. You're gonna bring the hype, and if this is you at the start. Welcome. That's not hype. That's not hype. Hype. 
get loud. I don't need to get loud to bring the hype. You need to bring the hype. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, we're going to argue about this off air guys, uh, in your, in the discord, uh, let us know if Colin brings the hype or not for Canton bound until next time, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. <laughs> I thought you were just going to protest to be quiet. And I was going to, I thought about I was, was going to fade to black. Have a good one it. guys.